Now, maybe that was a grandparent back there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. And that really leads me into exactly what I want to begin with today. A whole part of Philadelphia was changed by 57 pennies. It seems that there was a little girl who went to the Sunday school. This is many, many years ago now. And she went to the Sunday school, and it was so packed that there wasn't room for her. And so she was turned away, and they said, we, I'm sorry, we just don't have room. Two years later, and this, not meaning this to be melodramatic, but this little girl became ill and died. And when they looked under her pillow, they found a small pocketbook with 57 pennies and a piece of paper that had the following words written very, very neatly. To build the little temple bigger so more children can go to Sunday school. Same kind of urgency that you were talking about, Judy. That next week, the pastor told that story to his congregation. A newspaper picked it up. It went national. Soon the pennies grew, and the outcome can be seen in Philadelphia today in a marvelous way. There's a church now that seats 3,300 people, a Temple University, which accommodates thousands of students, and a Temple Hospital, and a large Temple Sunday School. And it all began with a beautiful, dedicated spirit and 57 pennies. What a tender story of the grace of giving. And it all began with the unselfish vision of a little girl. In Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, written several months after the first one, and we looked at the 16th chapter of the first one last week, we read another story, a tender story of the churches of Macedonia who were experiencing the grace of giving in a marvelous manner. I visited those places. I visited the church at Philippi, the church at Berea, where that had been, and also the church at Thessalonica. Macedonia was an impoverished area with few financial or material resources. But what they lacked in money and what they lacked in possessions, they made up for in generosity and the grace of giving. Interestingly enough, Macedonia is located not far from Romania. How many of you have gone to Romania at one time or another? I know many of us have. I was there uh, this summer, and what a wonderful thing, an active partnership. So there's a kinship as we even think about that. Macedonia was in vivid contrast to Corinth, and we talked about Corinth last week. Corinth was a city that was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Corinth had much. It was a center for travel for trade, for religion, for philosophy. The Corinths were a people of privilege with lots of resources. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, Paul spends the whole chapters talking about finishing the commitment that they had made to give to the poverty fund of the church of Jerusalem. Now, as I mentioned last week, the church in Jerusalem had gone through a famine They'd gone through really a disastrous time. They were in the midst of persecution, probably from the religious institution. And it seems that while they began fast, that is the Corinthians, to want to give, somehow their ardor had cooled. 
and now it no longer seemed important to them. So as I read from, and I would ask you to follow along with me, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, there are three situations or three settings where the grace of giving is mentioned. Please follow along with me as I read, either on the screen or most especially in your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, that's helpful because it gives you an opportunity to follow along as, as uh, we go along further because we're going to be looking at each one of these verses. Listen, though, for the word of the Lord. And now, the brothers, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in their service to the saints. And, then he, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. May God help this passage to come alive for us today. And may it not only come alive, but may God apply the truths of this passage to each one of our lives and each one of our hearts. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful for the privilege of sharing here today, grateful for the singing, grateful for our choir, the music, grateful for a chance for silence today in the midst of our busy world, in the midst of all of the noises around us when we're want, we want things to happen instantaneously and we're, we're nervous if there's a bit of silence. We're so glad to have moments of silence when we can be still and know that you are God. Now, God, in these moments, continue to speak to each one of us. Continue to speak to the people and the preacher alike. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. In verses 1 through 3 of this passage, Paul first uses the example of the Macedonians to whom God gave grace. So that we're all on the same page, it may be good to define, once again, grace. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. Mercy is getting what we don't deserve, and grace is not, rather, I'm sorry, I got that mixed up. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, and grace is getting what we don't deserve. The epitome of grace is God sending Jesus to our world as the Word made flesh, living among us but also to die on a cross so that we might experience the forgiveness of sins. The churches in Macedonia experienced rich grace in the midst of their deprivation and despair. Paul says that in the midst of the most severe trial, God brought them overflowing joy. Now, when speaking of the trial here, 
the, the Greek is very descriptive, and it says, a great testing of affliction. It was a difficult time. And somehow, we're talking about harassment, which is probably coming from the world around them. It's possible that it could have been persecution from the Roman government. Or it might have been persecution from the religious leaders, from which Paul found himself uh, always on the outside. We aren't certain from which that trial came. What we are pretty certain of is that that most severe trial in that extreme caused them to have extreme poverty. The phrase here, when we're talking about extreme poverty, is rock bottom, at the very depths kind of poverty. By human standards, it's a bleak picture. Yet because of God's grace lavished on them, the Macedonians are experiencing overflowing joy. What a contrast. The joy that God gave them was a fruit of the Holy Spirit which, who lived within them, and it, it just welled up within them. That joy would never be dependent upon the external happenings around them. In fact, their dire situation made that overflowing joy even more real. It, could con- it was a contrast in a very difficult setting. Serendipity. They were surprised by joy. There was also within them, we're told, a rich generosity. They could empathize with the people in Jerusalem. They were going through similar things. And as they empathized with them, they could feel their pain. They knew what it was like to have extreme poverty. They knew what it was like to be persecuted. My mind goes to the first chapter of 2 Corinthians As Paul writes in verses 3 and 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort we ourselves have received from God. Their empathy resulted in action. And that action was a rich generosity. You can bet that their giving out of their poverty was sacrificial. Yet it is precisely because it was sacrificial that they experienced overflowing joy. Paul underlines this point by stating in verse 3, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Wow! It must have been wonderful to be a part of those churches. Certainly it wasn't easy to give sacrificially, but it brought them encouragement, and it brought them meaning outside of themselves and their own situations, and they experienced the grace of giving to others who were also needy. Listen to this special story from Gary Wadlingham of Billings, Montana. It serves as a window to what the Macedonians must have felt. He writes, several years ago when I was ministering in a small rural community, we had extra food left over from our Christmas basket. I happened to think of a poor family who lived at the edge of town. So I packed up the food and drove to their house. I never know, he says, exactly how to do charity while preserving the dignity of those who receive it When the woman, surrounded by several children, 
answered the door, I thought of a subtle way to offer her the food. And so he asked, do you know anyone who could use some extra food? You bet, she said. And she got her coat, headed toward the car, said, follow me. She took me to the people who were poorer than she was, people who desperately needed food. I remember clearly that there was absolutely no hesitation on her part. Can you imagine her overflowing joy, which came as a direct result of her rich generosity? So it must have been for the Macedonians. In verses 4 and 5, the Macedonians urgently plead with Paul for the privilege of sharing in the grace of giving. You see what's happening here. Instead of Paul going to them and pleading with them to give more generously, they come to Paul. Paul might have kind of overlooked them because of their poverty, but instead they plead with him. They want to be a part of the action. Then, as if all of this is, uh, uh, this really is, is incredulous to Paul because he says that the Macedonians did completely what was unexpected when they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Comes to mind, uh, Romans 12:1. seriously, here, uh, the, the Macedonians first presented themselves as living sacrifices to God, and then it was only reasonable. It was their reasonable worship when they considered all that God had done for them to give of themselves sacrificially to others. I can relate to how Paul must have felt about the Macedonians. I once had a friend in one of my previous churches many years ago who came into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. Without being asked in any way, he began to give. After reading the scriptures, he saw that it was a direct result of what he saw in the scriptures. And then he began to give more generously. And the more he gave, the more he felt joy and was blessed. And he started giving to other ministries and even to the point of realizing that he was giving so much that if somehow it were taken away that, uh, that, that we would be in trouble. And so he took out an insurance policy to make sure. His only problem, he said at the end, was, I never felt that I sacrificed. <laughs> I, I gave, but it was never be, I never went without anything. Dear friends, that's the kind of spirit that the Macedonians had. They were a wonderful example of the grace of giving. In verses 6 and 7, Paul urges the Corinthians to follow the example of the Macedonians and excel in the grace of giving. Paul's making a tangible application. He's urged Titus, who had been with him in the past and who had credibility with the Corinthians, to go back and help them complete their commitment which they had made to the Jerusalem Church Relief Fund. Now, we aren't told why they didn't complete that fund and complete their commitment to it. Somehow, I have a feeling that, like many of us, they may have become distracted. Maybe it was all the opportunities that were put out there before them and, and somehow that just seemed like uh, there were just too many. Or maybe it was uh, the fact that uh, there was an argument between members. Or it could have been something happening in the culture of the city or the world around them which distracted their attention from their commitment that they had made. It doesn't really matter why they got off track. The key to it is that they get back on track and that they complete the act of grace 
which they had begun. Then in verse 7, Paul gives the church of Corinth a great compliment. He says, but just as you excel in everything, and he goes on to praise them for their faith, for their speech, for their knowledge, their complete earnestness and love for Paul and his entourage. What a positive thing for him to say. He says they're a great church, much like I often say to you. But next comes the zinger. He says, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. In the same manner that you do such a great job and you, you, you see excellence in so many areas of your life and ministry, make sure that you also excel in the grace of giving. They had been blessed as much as any church in the world at that time with all kinds of resources. Now it was crucial for them to reflect that grace of God by giving generously of their financial resources to the Jerusalem Church Relief Fund. When I think of where we're located here, a place where Carmel and Zionsville come together, we as a people are blessed. If I got it right, there are very few places, if any, in the state which have experienced the kind of prosperity that we have. And to go a step further, this church has excelled in so many ways. It wasn't too long ago that I was speaking to a guy who, had, uh, who was the executive director of a couple of organizations, national organizations in, this, in our denomination. And as he spoke about our church, he spoke in the most glowing terms. He talked about all the things that you have done around the world and in the presbytery, in your community. Praise God for almost 30 years in which God has allowed ZPC to excel in many ways. The thing that may be a little bit different from the Church of Corinth is, in fact, ZPC has also excelled in the grace of giving in the past. With all that's transpired in the last few years, we aren't as large as we once were. We're in a season of transition, to be sure. And it's so important that we take our eyes off of ourselves and anything that would distract us and make certain that, like the Macedonians, we are example and we continue to be an example of the grace of giving to those who are near and far. The bottom line, as Judy mentioned so well, is obedience and faithfulness to God who has showered us bountifully with his grace. While most of us are, aren't, are not experiencing the kind of severe trial and the extreme poverty which the Macedonians endured, could it be that we also are not experiencing the overflowing joy because we've not welled up in rich generosity like they did in a sacrificial way? To whom much is given, much is required. Listen to these convicting words from a man named Larry Kaiser. He says, the joy of sacrificial giving to the Lord's work is one value easily lost in the presence of prosperity. I regularly saw my parents give beyond what is comfortable for them. I don't know how frequently my children see me give sacrificially to God's kingdom. Proverbs 3.9 tells us to honor the Lord with our substance. We normally give to God out of our surplus, but he desires our substance. There is a difference." Unquote. 
even though we may be living in a different age and certainly different situations in life, we need to follow the example of the Macedonians in their grace of giving. It must be a joyful faithfulness to God as well as our desire to be an example for those who follow after us. Next Sunday, we're going to have the privilege of tangibly demonstrating the grace of giving and making a faith commitment of our financial resources that God has shown to us as he's shown his grace to us. Will you and I have the same attitude as the Macedonians? Could it be said of you and of me that we gave ourselves first to the Lord and then to keeping God's will? Are we graciously giving our time in ways that sometimes, frankly, money cannot buy? Are our talents and spiritual gifts being used sacrificially to the glory of the one who generously gave them? Let me close with this story. It's from Judy Keene of Hoffman Estates, Illinois. She said, I was hurrying through Chicago's busy commuter train station, and I had an aha moment that stopped me in my tracks. She said, I just bought candy where, for uh, an upcoming party a few of us were planning for our church's single moms. Doing so took my thoughts back to a cookout the previous summer for which I covered the cost myself. The single moms, their children, and I enjoyed a glorious day at a local sun-drenched beach, conversing and stuffing ourselves with burgers and hot dogs and chips and all of the trimmings. As the afternoon ended, I sat among the moms at the picnic table as they enthusiastically divided up the leftover hot dogs, sodas, and desserts. No one thought to offer me a thing. Though no one suspected it, my feelings were a bit bruised. No, I didn't need the food. And most of the moms had given little thought to where the picnic spread had come from. But that slight was significant enough that I recalled it in the train station six months later. Then it hit me. How much more slighted must God feel when we as recipients of his enormous generosity were reluctant to share a portion of our resources with him? Just as I don't need potato salad, God doesn't need money, but he craves our gratitude, our acknowledgement that all that we have is from him. Oh, dear sisters and brothers, I pray that we will demonstrate the grace of giving here at ZPC. Let me say, as I always say, that if there are any of you afterwards who would like to pray with someone, maybe it's about something that you brought with you as you came today. Maybe it's about something that God's speaking to you about. There will be people at the cross over here uh, at the alcove to my right afterwards. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we come to you this day most grateful for the way that you have blessed us. Continue to speak to us now as we have the privilege of gathering around this table. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.